Hello, and welcome to the Government Digital Service Podcast. My name is Laura Stevens, and I'm a creative content producer here at GDS. And today's podcast is going to be on the Gov.uk design system. The Gov.uk design system is a collection of tools and resources for designing and building products and services. It provides styles, components, and patterns that are accessible. This helps hundreds of teams across the public sector design and build services that are of high quality and can be used by anyone. The impact of the design system, created and managed by a team of 10 here at GDS, is significant. It's used in central government, local government, and has also been used by the NHS and international governments to develop their own design systems. It saves teams time and money and helps give people a consistent and accessible experience when interacting with government. To tell us more is Tim Paul, who was on the team who launched the Gov.uk design system. Tim has also been at GDS for a long time. He was on the team that launched Gov.uk, in fact, as well. We're also going to be hearing from people from central and local government about how the Gov.uk design system has helped their work. So yeah, welcome, Tim, um, to the podcast. Hi there. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on today. And could you tell us what your job is here um, at GDS and how you work with the Gov.uk design system? Yeah, so I guess my official job title is Head of Interaction Design. Um, but for the last couple of years, I've um, mainly been kind of uh, doing that as a product manager, really, for the design system. So that's a thing that we kind of kicked off a couple of years ago. Um, and we've managed to build a team around that and develop a, a suite of products. And we launched those um, back in summer of 2018. And um, yeah, I've been uh, product managing that and working with the team closely ever since. So the design system was launched um, back in July 2018. But what is the design system made up of? Um, so it's essentially a suite of three different products. Um, so you've got the design system itself, which is basically a website with guidance and uh, coded examples for designers and front-end developers to use to design and prototype and build public services. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then there's a thing we call the GovUK Prototype Kit, and that's a piece of software that uh, designers in particular can download and install, and they can use it to rapidly create very high fidelity uh, prototypes that they can take into user research and they can test out ideas before uh, their, their team commits to building anything so they can find out what the right thing to build is. Yeah. And then the third thing which underpins both of those is a thing we call GovUK Frontend and that's essentially uh, a frontend framework so it's all the JavaScript and the CSS um, wrapped up into a nice package that developers uh, can install into their projects. And so the prototype kit and the design system both use GovUK Frontend, and that means that designers and developers are both drawing from the same kind of library of components and patterns. Um, I heard you say before that uh, you think of the design system as a service as well. What do you mean by that? Yes, so as well as the three products that we uh, provide, we also offer support and training. Um, we help facilitate contributions to the design system and we run community events and we have regular hangouts with our community of users and contributors. And so we really think of the whole thing together as being an actual service um, and we have you know, a multidisciplinary uh, team uh, to support both the products and that service. And when you're talking about the different parts of the Gov.uk design system, for uh, people who are listening and don't know what a component is or a pattern or a style, could you explain what those things are, please? Yeah, OK, I'll have a go. Um, <laughs> so when we first started out figuring out how to make this thing, we, we did a lot of thinking about what were the things that were going to be inside the design system. There's no really established language for talking about this stuff, um, although design systems as an idea are fairly well-established now. So 
Uh, in the end, we settled on three definitions, and so we have uh, what we call styles, and they're the, the really low-level building blocks that everything else is made out of. So it's things like color palettes and how your typography works and how your page layouts work and your grid system and so on. Um, so those are the styles. Mm -hmm. And then one level up from that, if you like, we have things that we call components. And so components are uh, chunks of user interface, UI. So they're visible things that you can compose onto a web page and that, and, and that makes your service. So it's things like drop-down lists and tables and navigation and headers and footers. Uh, and all our components are uh, built using code, the code that we provide in GovK Frontend. Uh, and so um, that's what a component is. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, one level up from that, we have things that we call patterns. And patterns are a little bit more abstract. They're centered around uh, common needs that users of public services have. Uh, so, for example, lots of public services require that people enter uh, information about themselves, like their name or their address and so on. And so we have uh, design patterns which explain the best, most usable way that we found to ask users for that kind of information. And we have um, even higher level design patterns. So for example, um, it's quite common that uh, a public service has eligibility requirements um, that, that, that users must meet if they are able to use that service. And so we have a, a pattern, for example, which explains how best to help users understand whether or not they can use your service so that they don't mm -hmm. waste time trying to apply for a benefit or something that they don't actually um, meet the requirements for. And so now I feel like um, I, it's, I know what it's made up of. I know what those words mean. But why are design systems good for government? And in a previous presentation I found on the Google Drive in my research, you said a national motto of design system teams is efficiency, consistency, and usability. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> Would, is that why they're good? Or, or have you changed your mind? <laughs> I guess, um, no, that's almost been one of the most stable beliefs that we've held uh, throughout the whole kind of time that we've been developing these resources. They, they do seem to be three pretty stable fundamental user needs that things like design systems uh, are good at meeting and, and, and that's uh, that public services need to be efficiently built. We mm -hmm. don't want uh, our taxpayers' money to be wasted uh, in people like reinventing the wheel up and down the country in different teams. Uh, they need to be of a high quality, so they need to be really accessible and usable and they need to be consistent with each other. So one of the big reasons that we made GovUK in the first place was to try and create a single unified consistent user experience for all government services uh, because that helps people to be uh, familiar with those services which means that it makes them more usable but it also kind of fosters trust because it's much easier to recognize when you're using a legitimate government service if they all look the same. And the way that design systems help with those things is that you have this common suite of components and patterns that are ready-made, pre-built, they've already been tested for things like usability and accessibility. Uh, and so that lifts up the quality. Um, because people are reusing existing things, it means they're not developing themselves, so that makes teams more efficient and productive. And again, because they're reusing the same it, suite of components and patterns it means that different services made by different teams in different parts of the country and different departments are all consistent with each other 
And I think that's a point that I wanted to pick up on is because um, I think as a user coming to Government UK, it looks like it's just one yeah. website, but it's actually being managed and being delivered simultaneously by different teams up and down the UK. Yeah. So like you say, GovUK presents as this single quite large website that's full of different services and information and that's entirely intentional that was always the vision for GovUK but anybody who's worked on it knows that under the hood um, it's hundreds and hundreds of separate websites and they're owned and managed by different teams in different departments up and down the country there is no single tech stack for uh, the public sector or for government there's hundreds and hundreds of different ones and we don't try to control what that stack should be and so the challenge that we've always faced is like how do we let all of those teams work pretty much independently of each other, but deliver something which is coherent and consistent and um, feels like a single user experience. Uh, and this is this is what design systems are really good at because they, they provide this centralized resource that all teams can draw upon and contribute back to. Um, so not every organization or large organization requires a, a design system necessarily, but I think government is maybe almost the best example of an organization that can benefit from, from a tool and a service like this. So yeah, so we've got GovUK as this appearing as one site, but actually being operated by lots and lots of different teams up and down the country. So is that who's using the design system or these different service teams? Yeah, so we think that most users of the design system are probably designers or developers working uh, in service teams in different departments up and down the country. And we've tried lots of different ways to measure usage. Um, it's important that we know who's using our service and how and what problems they might be facing uh, so that we can improve the service for them. Um, so one thing we have looked at in the past is, is web traffic, that's just visitors to the design system website. Um, and that's quite useful for showing month-on-month uh, -month growth. Uh, I think since we launched, we've we've grown the number of uh, visitors to the site by about 250%. Um, so impressive figures. Yeah, yes, yeah, um, we're, we're, we're happy with that. Um, we uh, wanted to ask about the community element of the design system, so people are able to um, contribute their own patterns. And how, so in terms of the number of patterns or number of components, now, are most of them done in GDS or do, are they generally done from people who have contributed? How does that work? Yeah, so from the outset, really, um, we wanted to make sure that what we built was um, owned by the community of designers and developers in government and was easy to contribute back to. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that GDS is at the centre of government, and that's really helpful as a way for, to kind of propagate out best practice and so on. But it does mean that we're kind of one step removed from the actual end users of citizen facing services and staff systems and so on. It's really the teams in the other departments that are closest to those users. And so we really rely on them to feed back into the design system about whether components or patterns are working or not. Maybe they've found ways to improve upon them. Maybe they have ideas for brand new components and patterns that, that we don't realize are needed. Mm. And so, like I say, from the very beginning, we were trying to figure out ways to, to kind of foster a community of uh, uh, collaboration and contributors. And so we initially populated the design system with maybe about 30 or 40 components and patterns that we already knew were needed by government. Uh, some of those we uh, brought in from our previous design tools. Yeah. But since then, we've had about 18 new components and patterns uh, published over the last year and a, and a bit. And I think of those 18, about 13 of them have been external contributions. So uh, things that have been built by people in service teams somewhere else in government 
um, from MOJ or DWP or HMRC and so on, and then contributed back to the design system. And so we knew from kind of experience with our previous tools, our legacy products, that contribution is difficult and it certainly doesn't happen for free and it doesn't happen at all unless you do a lot of work to facilitate it and so on. And so we, we put a lot of effort into developing uh, the necessary processes and the governance and the assurance uh, so that when people made a contribution they knew what to expect and they knew the criteria that they needed to meet and that there were people available to support that contribution and then other people who are available to um, kind of assure the qualities and so what we're hoping is that this by this by making this process really open uh, it kind of encourages trust in what we're doing and it means that the work that we're publishing isn't biased in favor of any one department and so on and, and that it actually reflects the needs of teams in government. So how did it make you feel then having so many um, patterns and con um, components now being able to be contributed because this hard work of making it decentralised, making it open is working? It, I think it is working. I think um, we've learned a lot along the way. We've certainly learned that it's harder than we thought it would be. I mean, we thought it would be hard, but it's even harder than we thought it would be. I think perhaps we were tempted to think in the early days that contribution was like a shortcut to scaling that like yeah. by uh, opening our doors and letting people contribute we could grow rapidly and it would like solve all our problems that way and actually over the last year or so I think what we've realized is that facilitating and assuring contributions is often as much work as doing the work yourself we should probably have realized that at the time <laughs> and so I think it does let us scale um, but not to the extent that perhaps we thought it was so yeah, we think that aside from scaling, there are other real concrete benefits to kind of encouraging contribution. And one of those is that when people make successful contributions to the design system, they tend to be pretty strong advocates. And so they almost act as like uh, people doing engagement in departments on our behalf. Um, but also, and perhaps m more importantly, um, the more people from service teams in other departments make contributions to the design system the more representative the design system is of what those teams need and so it just really helps us make sure that our product is actually genuinely meeting the needs of our users um, if we were doing all the work ourselves in the center then there'd, there'd be a really strong risk that what we were producing was only really meeting the needs of the teams that we were closest to mm -hmm. And I think that leads very nicely on. So now we're going to hear a clip um, from somebody who uses the design system who isn't from GDS. Ah. Um, it's from Adam Silver, who previously worked at um, Ministry for Justice or MOJ Digital. Um, so yeah, and MOJ is the second largest of the, tw of the 24 ministerial departments. So it's a big department. Yeah. And yeah, he's going to talk about using the gov.uk design system and also about the MOJ specific design system as well. I'm Adam Silver. I'm an interaction designer working at um, the Department for Education and previously I've worked at MOJ Digital and HMCTS as well. Could I talk to you about your work with the gov.uk design system on the service Claim for a Cost of a Child's Funeral, which is a highly emotional service and also one that had to be delivered at pace um, in six weeks, in fact. So how did um, having the centralised system help you in that? Um, yeah, so we used the MOJ Form Builder, which is a tool that lets you create and deploy digital forms to live to a URL without spinning up your own dev team. Mm -hmm. um, and under the hood, that form builder uses all of the components and patterns from the GovUK design system. So that meant that we didn't have to spend a whole load of time thinking about text boxes, radio buttons, and all of the, all of the good stuff that's already been solved brilliantly. Um, and we could just focus on 
the specific needs of our service and filling in the gaps where the GovUK design system didn't have a solution for that. And so in that way, was it saving you time? Was it saving you hours of work? What, what was it helping you with? Yeah, it saved, it saved a lot of time um, because instead of focusing on all of those things, we could focus on the needs of just our service. Um, so for example, um, we needed to think about how to ask users for their bank details because we needed to sort of make a payment to them um, for their claim. And we also focused on things like how to upload files because they had to provide evidence for their claim by uh, uploading copies of their receipts. Mm-hmm. And those those two particular um, components and patterns aren't covered um, really in the GovUK design system. So that's where we could really focus our attention. And the other thing was that um, when we were doing an accessibility audit before we launched, um, we could focus most of our attention on the new patterns that we knew might not be up to the level of quality or level of accessibility that all of the other components are, um, like the text boxes and radio buttons in the GovUK design system. It's just so good. <laughs> um, just the, the quality of the guidance, the quality of the patterns and components themselves um, is excellent. It plays really nicely um, into the prototype kit. Um, and when I have worked on department specific design systems, um, it plays nicely with those because so we've, we've at HMCTS and MOJ Digital, we had our own department design systems and we had to extend and, pl- and build on top of the GovUK design system. So that was that was another really good thing. Could you sort of speak then to how important having this centralised gov.uk design system is to um, different departments across government? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have several services at MOJ that were asking people for their bank details. Um, and during our research, there are many, many government departments that have many, many services of their own that are also asking for their bank details. So there is a lot of duplication of effort there and a lot of inconsistency um, between them. Not not major inconsistency, but little inconsistencies. And those can, those things can um, can add up to creating a less than ideal or tricky um, user experience. So having that centralised and standardised in the GovUK design system um, adds a tremendous amount of value along with everything else that is centralised in, in the system. How does the community behind the design system help you in your work? That's It's majorly helpful. It's one of my favourite things about working in Go actually is, is the huge design community that are just willing to, to help um, on, on Slack. There's like thousands of people <laughs> there and there's always somebody that's either come across your your exact problem or they've come across something similar and can help out um and then the backlog itself or, or the more specific support around the design system i mean the team are re- super friendly you get to get to know them individually um they're always there to to help and having someone dedicated on support each each day on slack is is massively massively helpful knowing that you can go to one place to get help is yeah is, I, I can't i can't just i can't um commend it enough really it's super valuable to me and it's and I know that it's been super valuable to other people I've worked with as well the community backlog is really good um if there isn't something in the design system then you know there's going to be well there's a very very good chance that somebody has has put their own designs into the backlog just some screenshots just some explanation and then some discussion and that Mm -hmm. that will get you going so you don't have to start you're never you're never really starting something from scratch because somebody has always done something. Sometimes mm-hmm. somebody 
has done more than something. There's there's a lot of contributions in some of the um, backlog tickets as well. So um, Kelly Matheson, um, who works at MOJ Digital, yeah. um, also spoke at Services Week 2020 about having uh, two design systems and working with that. Um, how do you? How what's been your experience of using two design systems at once? Um, so it's not it's not the ideal situation. It's because the reason why I think design systems appear in departments is because, well, for two reasons. One is that the GovUK design system just can't go fast enough in accepting contributions, which mm-hmm. um, they're just not resourced enough, I don't think. And it takes a lot of effort yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to build out a component. Um, so, that, so that's one reason where a department can, can move a little bit faster. Quality might be a tad lower, um, but they can move a bit faster mm-hmm. um, because they're not worrying about the needs of the whole of government. They're just worrying about the needs of their department or the needs of a program within a department. Sometimes that's the case. And the other reason is because there are literally department-specific patterns. Mm-hmm. But I see it as a temporary solution while um, until the GovUK design system can pull those patterns in. Um, and you, um, on your blog post, you also contributed a pattern along with your colleagues, Amanda Kerry and Gemma Hutley. What was that pattern? Um, that was... Um, how to ask users for their bank details. So as part of the as part of the child funeral fund service that we were designing, um, the main the main point was that the, the user is claiming back the costs. Mm-hmm. So to do that, they need to provide their bank details, and that way we can during the claims process we can make that payment to them. And what was it like to contribute your own pattern to that, or your team's pattern to that? And the reason why um, wanted to contribute the bank details pattern was because while we were designing the service. Um, there was no actual pattern existing for the bank details and we looked in the backlog and we talked to people across government and in our own department as well and there was no um, there was no solid example of Mm -hmm. how to how to ask for it there was lots of different good examples um, but there was no one way so that's something that we had to tackle during the six-week period and so it would have been a real it would have saved us a lot of time if that if that pattern was part of the GovUK design system. So we thought, okay, well, look, we've learned quite a bit about it by searching around what other people have done. And we made a decision ourselves for our service. So why don't we use what we've learned, work a little bit harder and contribute it back. So I'm sitting here with Tim Paul. Um, and so you can ask him anything. What do you ask him? Um, hi, Tim. Uh, I would ask you how to quantify the value of a design system. A nice easy question there. Yeah, thanks, Adam. <laughs> but I did actually hear that was I did actually see this was this was uh, your talk in Services Week 2020, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So um, first of all, that was really good to hear from him. And yeah, um, one of the things we've always known that we need to do, and, and any team will need to do, is to somehow quantify the benefits of the thing that you're delivering. Uh, design systems are no exception, um, but it is quite hard to do that because of the nature of the service and the products. I think they're not transactional services you can't watch people kind of go through them people aren't signed in when they use it and so measuring how many people are using your service and product is tricky enough and then quantifying the actual material benefits uh, is also Mm -hmm. not that easy it's all about productivity um, and that's quite a hard thing to measure these aren't small tasks that can be done in a few minutes where you can kind of easily measure how much faster people get these are tools which help people over the course of days and weeks and months uh, in quite unpredictable and subtle ways so we've always struggled a little bit although I think uh, this quarter we've gotten a little bit better at this stuff 
And so we were joined uh, by Roxy, um, who's a product manager in GDS, and she's really helped us um, deliver the kind of economic model and, and a business case for how how much benefit the design system is is giving people and so we did a fair amount of research uh, we did lots of analysis of things like repos on github and we fed all of this information into an economic model we worked with an economist called parry uh, we, we we had lots of other data points um, our user researcher rosie uh, did uh, quite short notice did some really good research where we interviewed about 10 designers and de developers from different departments and we got them to talk about their experience of using our tools mm -hmm. we got them to do the very uncomfortable thing of like trying to tell us how much more or less productive they were using our tools and not, <laughs> not using our tools yeah. which is a it's a really tough ask but people did tell us and we got enough data points that uh, we figured that taking an average and going with a conservative um, version of that average was sufficient. And so feeding all of this stuff together uh, and thinking about how many teams are actually using our products and for how long and so on, we got to a kind of round figure of, we think we're probably saving the government about uh, 17 million pounds a year right now. Um, and that's based on the assumption that uh, without the design system, government would need to spend about that much money to deliver the same services mm -hmm. of a similar quality. Um, so, yeah. Um, were you, did you think the figure would be about 17 million or did you have... Yeah, it's, I don't know. I guess it was higher than maybe I was expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, but one of the things we're really keen to do is focus as much as we possibly can on on the more qualitative benefits of design systems sure. rather than treating them as a kind of efficiency tool. Uh, they definitely do help teams work more productively, but what we're really hoping is that those teams use their excess capacity um, to deliver better services. And mm -hmm. so Adam kind of touched on that. Um, because they don't have to worry about checkboxes and radio buttons and headers and footers and making those all accessible and usable, uh, they can spend that time that they've saved focusing on the actual service itself and the content design and the service design and the policy design and so on. And that's really where the, the gains are to be had for individual service teams. Adam also referenced about how there are other um, individual um, organizations using their own design systems. They've made up their own design systems. Why do you think places have created their, their own versions? There have always been other design resources made by other teams and departments in government, and that should come as no surprise. Um, for the most part, these are people with quite similar missions and goals to ourselves. They're yeah. trying to solve the same problems, but at the level of their individual program or department. And so a couple of years ago, when we were initiating this work, we made a conscious decision to, to not treat them as rivals or competitors or in some way uh, a symptom of failure. They're really just people who are trying to solve the same problem. And so we, ra rather than go around and try and sh shut them down or anything like that, we, <laughs> we made friends with these people. These people are... Um, now contributors and we try and work closely together with them. And not only is the Gov.uk design system helping in central government but it's also being helping across the public sector in local government and the NHS. Um, we're now going to hear from Emma Lewis from Hackney about her experience of using the design system in a local authority. I'm Emma Lewis. I'm lead front-end developer at the London Borough of Hackney. What is um, the London Borough of Hackney doing with design systems? So we have our own Hackney design system and Hackney Pattern Library, and both of those are based on top of GovUK design system and GovUK front-end repository. Um, so we have our pattern library is called LBH Front-end, um, which is essentially a copy of 
Gov UK front end, which also imports Gov UK front end, and we build on top of that. Um, so we have a bunch of different components, some of which are basically identical to the Gov UK components, but they have sort of hackney, hackneyfied <laughs> filed styles or um, small color changes, uh, spacing tweaks, things like that. Um, we have some components that are actually identical to Gov UK and some components that are completely new to Hackney um, because they're more local government focused. What have been the benefits to you working in local government for using a central government design system? I mean, it's been huge. <laughs> um, so having all of these things just out of the box that we can use it's such an enormous time saver, but also having things like, we, you know, we know they are accessible. So it means that the services we're providing to residents and staff are so much better than they would have been otherwise. And I think as well, a lot of people respond to with the GovDU design system is also that community element of it. Has that helped you as well at the council? Enormously. Um, there's no one else really experienced a front-end development that I work with. And having that community of people who I can ask questions to, it's such a positive thing. And likewise... I am so like grateful for the GovUK design system that it means that I want to con contribute and I think other people feel like that. So you see, you know, I've contributed a couple of pull requests that are like really, really tiny minor changes, but it feels good to do that and it's something that I want to do. And I think you see that with other people in the community who aren't necessarily working centrally at GDS, but just have benefited from it and so want to contribute something. So why is having a design system a good thing for local government? It's... There are lots of different reasons. The main, the first reason is consistency. Um, so it means that you know any, any of our products that use that design system are going to look the same, and that means that's really good for lots of different reasons. It means we're not duplicating code in lots of different places. So you know if something changes, we don't need to update it in loads of different places. There's just a central place that all of that stuff comes from, um, and that's something that developers love. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, I think accessibility is a huge thing. Yeah, it, the time and resourcing that goes into making a design system like gov.uk like i've never seen the amount of effort that goes into a component be put into that kind of thing outside of a design system yeah and so making sure that it is accessible means that it's usable by all of our residents and that's really important you know we are, one of our missions at hackney is to create digital services that are, um, are so good that people prefer to use them yeah and in order to do that they need to be available to work for everyone and that's like incredibly important so this is a bit of a um like retrospective question um what do you wish you knew or to anybody who's listening from a local authority from a local borough um before you started creating the hackney pattern library i think um there's two things that spring to mind one of which is how important your decisions are when you start doing something like that so i think i hadn't appreciated um how difficult it can be to change things down the line. And this is something that, um, so Nick and Hannah who work on GovUK front end actually were really kind of came into Hackney to talk to us about the design system. And they were talking about how hard it is to, or like how bad it is to make breaking changes. Yeah. So, you know, changes to the design system of the pattern library that are going to break things for users of the older versions. Um, and that's something that I wasn't, I hadn't really thought about much until that conversation and now, we're sort of six months into our first version of our pattern library and I'm starting to see oh like I wish I'd done that differently and you know just really feeling empowered to take the time at the beginning and think about those considerations about how you're doing something and whether it is the right thing and what 
possible use cases there might be down the line can be really helpful so how what are people using it at what sort of stage are you at so um i'm doing some work at the moment with our mapping team who create all sorts of maps for residents and for staff to look at from things like um, where water fountains are, are in the borough to um, planning applications and all sorts of different things um and we're coming up with i suppose sort it's sort of similar to a design system in a way we're trying to come up with this sort of map template that we can use to show all different kinds of data and I was just showing them really quickly yesterday how to use the design system to put a header and a footer on the page and their faces were like lit up it was so exciting that this was suddenly all available to them like using the GovUK design system has been an incredible time saver like I can't we wouldn't have a pattern library now if we'd have had to build everything from scratch it just um we have so many different projects on and we don't have the people to build something like that and by having that it means that not only that we can use it on projects going forward but we're also massively reducing the amount of time it takes to build all those individual project projects as well um so it's been it's just been enormous um in terms of the time it saved and like i said the community around it and um the support that's been provided with it That was really, really nice to hear that. It's so, so gratifying, I think, to all of us on the team when, when other people reuse our work. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the best things about working in government and the public sector is that we can be happy about the fact that people are stealing our work. In fact, we kind of strongly encourage it. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's great. It's, it's doing exactly what we hoped it would do. Um, so we've known for quite a while there's huge potential beyond central government for, for the work that we're doing uh, not just ourselves, but alongside our contributors, um, to, to benefit local government and e- even as far as international governments. We've we've got, I think we know about five different local authorities which are in some way using GovUK Frontend, and we've got a couple of other governments from other countries who are using our work as well. So this is really, really good. And in both those clips, both Emma and Adam, they both uh, spoke about accessibility and how having um, it tested to the level AA of the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, or WACAG, is yes, that right? Yes, that's correct, yes. So this is this has turned out to be a huge driver, I think, for adoption of the design system because um, there's this standard called the... Uh, web content accessibility guidelines it's been around for a while it's in version 2.1 now but the thing that has changed recently is that um, meeting level double a of that standard has now become an actual requirement not just of central government services but the whole of the public sector uh, by this september and so suddenly there's uh, a real strong need by teams everywhere to make their services fully accessible and um, that's pretty difficult Um, there's lots you can do to make it easier like Building an accessibility from the very beginning is probably mm-hmm. the best way that you can make your life easier here. Retrofitting accessibility is, is always a terrible experience for everybody. Um, but it turns out that making even simple things like buttons fully accessible across the full range of assistive technologies, devices and browsers is actually pretty involved, difficult work. You've got lots of testing to do. You've got um, the state of assistive technologies at the moment is still probably not as mature as it could be, which means there are lots of weird little bugs and kinks and funny little idiosyncrasies across all the different technology stacks. And so the work that we do in the centre is to do all of that testing and iron out all of those bugs and figure out how to make these things work 
across all of the assistive texts that we know people use. And that level of work, that depth of work, is probably not a thing that an individual service team could or should be spending its time doing. They've got the full service to worry about, and they really shouldn't be spending the amount of time that we can spend on, on making low-level components fully accessible. So it's one of the things I'm happiest about because it's something that we can really contribute to. And in um, you mentioned as well that um, we're not only helping central, local, NHS, but also going abroad as well. And in March 2019, the New Zealand Digital Service um, published a blog post about how they use the gov.uk design system to help create their own. So, And they had a quote in there saying... We decided not to reinvent the wheel, so we're building on the gov.uk design system, a system with years of development. It's a mature and proven design system with full rigour and accessibility and testing. So what does having that sort of reach and international impact feel like for you and the team here at GDS? Um, it's really nice. It's kind of flattering. Yeah, it also feels a little bit scary. I think um, Emma alluded to uh, the issue of having dependencies and breaking changes and things like the design systems, and that's a thing that we've experienced as well. So... Uh, if you're working on a service team in an agile environment, then the idea that you can iterate rapidly and fail fast and all of that, it's great, it works really well. Um, it doesn't quite translate when you're building a central code resource because if you're iterating rapidly, if you're failing fast, if you're making lots of breaking changes, then you're disrupting the work of everybody who's relying on your code base. And so we end up being a lot more conservative. We end up um, moving slower and at a much measured kind of careful pace um, and that's because we are intensely aware that everybody who's using our tools is going to be disrupted by any breaking changes we make and so when we hear that um, you know another country or a local government authority is using our service it's really really good but it really hammers home to us how careful we have to be not to break things for them as well. Do you think there's a way of fixing that or is that just an inherent problem with having a central design system? Um, I think probably the way to address that challenge is to not try to create some uber design system for the world, which would be like the <laughs> egotistical uh, response to that challenge. Uh, you know, the internet is supposed to be made of many parts loosely coupled, and that's what we should be trying to do here. So making sure that people can use our tools as the foundation for the things that they need and that we have nice productive feedback mechanisms between, between those uh, that's probably the right way to approach this. Is there anything where you've seen the design system used in a way that you just never expected it to be used or it popped up somewhere? that you we're, we're sometimes asked about, doesn't the, do, don't these products make it really easy to make fake versions of GovUK? Um, which is a really valid question. And the answer is yes, they do. Um, they make it easy for anybody to make things that look like GovUK. But to be honest... Um, if your motivations are to trick people, then it's always been pretty easy to make fake versions of a website. Um, yeah. So we're not making it that much easier for the scammers, but we're making it a lot easier for the service teams who are building legitimate services. But yes, every now and then we see we see a dodgy-looking GovUK site and we see our own code in there, and that's kind of weird. But you know, there's a whole bit of GDS which is dedicated to spotting that stuff and getting it taken down so so thank you so much um to tim for coming on today and also to emma and to adam um for talking about the gov.uk design system and you can listen to all the episodes of the government digital service podcast on apple music spotify and all other major podcast platforms and you can read the transcripts on podbean so thank you again and goodbye thank you